Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. in the house of God. I believe that it's going to keep getting better. My name is Danny. I'm the creative pastor here at my city. I have the honor of bringing you the word this morning. Believe that it's going to be a powerful one. Set the expectation now. I believe that God has a word specifically for you this morning. Last week, Pastor Eli kicked off our new series, Winning Where It Matters. It was such a powerful foundational message for our house. He said, in this house, we believe if you missed that, make sure you go to the podcast. But this morning, we are going to be talking about the language of heaven, the language of heaven. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for everything that you're doing in the life of My City Church and each one of these amazing family members. We pray that today, that this would not just be another sermon on another Sunday, but God, that this would be a pivotal change, a, a marking point in our walk with you where we pray differently. We speak differently. We expect differently. God, and we trust you at your word. We love you. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, you can be seated this morning. I'm a little, I'm a little different than Pastor Eli here. I weigh quite a, quite a bit more than him. We're, we're throwing, we're throwing, uh, we got we to, gotta, okay, I made a joke about how fat I am. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to be, it's okay to be there. We're going to liven up a little bit this morning. Uh, but like I said, my name is Danny. My wife and I were the creative pastors uh, here at My City. We have the honor of leading and serving alongside of all of the creative teams. So our worship teams, our production teams, our marketing teams. And I wanted to just take a moment and celebrate a couple people really quickly before I jump too far ahead. Um, the first person I want to celebrate, this guy serves on production team and press team, the people who are taking photos. This guy works in the mornings all day throughout the week. So he's up at 4 a.m. on a regular basis, and he still makes it a priority to come in and help load in, carries the best spirit, wants to learn all the time. I just let Kevin, I love you, brother. Can we give it up for Kev? God is doing something on your life. Keep saying yes. Love you, Kevin. Um, but like I said, I'm married to Hannah. Hannah is my baby mama. She is compassionate, loving, a loud snorer. Um, she's fantastic. We have two kiddos, uh, Emmett and London. Emmett is almost eight months old, and he, it, it was, it was, it's kind of hard to adjust back to the baby phase. I got used to talking to London, who's almost three, and I, I have normal conversations with her. Going back to having a kid in the house that just screams and you're guessing at what they need all of the time was pretty stressful. I'm not going to lie. Um, but Emmett is a typical boy, and he usually only cries if he's tired, hungry, or he pooped himself. So there's that. Um, London is literally the definition of the old Sour Patch Kids commercials. Have you seen those before? She's sour and then sweet. She goes from shoving Emmett's face into the carpet in one minute, then giving him a kiss on the nose and going, hi, big boy, how are you? And it's just so cute. And I'm like, I don't even know what to say right now because I'm like, you're really cute, but that was really mean. <laughs> so don't do that again. Uh, the other day we were sitting out back and she got her first grass stain ever. 
and she was rolling, she was rolling around in the grass, and she looked down and had like a big grass stain on her leg, and she got all scared, and she looked at us, and I said, oh, the grass, it's a grass stain, and she turns and looks at the grass and goes, grass, no, you made me green, just something new with her all the time. She's in a jumping phase right now, so curb, she has to jump off of it. She sees a rock, she has to jump off of it. She sees the dog, she has to jump over him. She sees me, she has to jump on me. She's in a, in a jumping phase right now. And about a month ago, we were sitting in our living room. We have a little coffee table and a, and a couch. And she was uh, jumping from the coffee table to the couch. And I was holding her hand while she was doing it. And she, was, she would take the big step over to the coffee table. And then she'd turn around and still holding my hand, fly onto the couch and honestly, I was just sick of being used as a jungle gym. So I told her like, hey, no, you actually have to start doing this on your own. I'm done. So I pulled the coffee table a little bit closer. And it was like in the movies, you know, like when you're standing in front of a gap and then the, the gap just increases rapidly. I guarantee you that's what happened in her head because she's standing on the couch looking at the coffee table, this gap just widening to her. It was really only about this far apart. Um, but then she takes that big step forward, makes it onto the table. She's so proud of herself. She's pumped that she did it on her own. And then as she turns, you can literally see fear just overtaking her. Her lip is trembling. Her eyes are a little sunken in, and she's like starting to visibly shake. And so like any good dad, I just pushed her. (laughs) Just kidding. I didn't push her. But I grabbed her hands, and I said, London girl, you've done this so many times already. Repeat after me. I know that I can do this. I know that I can do this. She did it like three, she repeated it like three or four times. And the last time she said, no, dad, I want to say it myself. That's her thing right now is let me say it myself. Don't help me. Don't help me. So I said, okay. She threw my hand down. She said, I know I can do this. And she leaped over the the chasm. She made it to the couch. She looked like Michael Jordan in the air. It was a great, honestly, great moment to watch and be a part of. But what I've found is that the language that we use can actually dictate whether we take that step or we hold back. And our language can hold us back or propel us into the future that God has for us. And this isn't going to be just a message about the power of personal confession. But what I want for us is to take away three attributes to the language of heaven that we can apply to our language right now, our prayer language right now. Because if we are going to believe, pray, and stand against everything that the enemy is doing in the city of Omaha in the world, we have to align our voices with heaven. Understand this morning that prayer is the engine room of the church and the oxygen of heaven. Prayer is the engine room of the church and the oxygen of heaven. And if our prayers are going to mimic God's voice, if our prayers are going to sound like heavenly language, then we have to dive into these three specific aspects. The first one that we are going to tackle this morning is the language of heaven is full of his word. Second Timothy chapter three says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
The, the word of God is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. Every word out of this book. This is not just some uh, book that has uh, good morals to it. This isn't just some book that has good parables and stories. This isn't just some historical account of Middle Eastern people. This is the spoken word of God. This is the spoken word of God captured by faithful servants way back then so that you and me and all of God's children could understand how God operates, what his will is, and how he speaks. You want to catch the language of heaven? Get your eyes in the book. You want to catch the language of heaven? Open your book. You want to pray it, speak it out loud. Don't just read it. Say it out loud over yourself. Don't know what to pray today? Flip to the Psalms and just read through and pray through Psalms. This book is also a weapon of war. This isn't just some book. It's a weapon of war that is sharper than any double-edged sword that is able to cut through bone and marrow. It says that it's able to divide soul and spirit. See, this is the tip of the spear that is able to cut through the enemy's lies right to the truth of God. This book is alive and active. This book is alive and active. And if we are going to begin to combat what the enemy is doing, we have to be able to have the word of God at our disposal. If we are going to stand against the advances from the enemy, we have to have our eyes in the word of God. And it has to be not only out of our mouth, but in our heart. See, Jesus understood this. And there's a moment in Matthew chapter four I want to flip to and read here. It says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered with the word of God, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, and if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for one last time, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. If nothing else this morning, I want you to walk away with this. The word of God is just as powerful as it is in your mouth as it is in his because it's the word of God. I'll say it again. The word of God is just as powerful as it is in your mouth as it is in God's because it's the word of God. See, know this morning that when you begin to declare, not Danny thoughts, not Emmanuel thoughts, not Matt thoughts, but when you declare the word of God over your life, not just in a, power, a powerful confession, but you're declaring the spoken word of God over your life, you will begin to see breakthrough after breakthrough happening because you're not placing your trust in yourself. See, declaring the word of God and having language that is full of the word of God puts us into alignment with how God speaks, because the Bible is full of words that God has already used. When we have a language full of the word of God, we are in alignment with how God speaks, amen? 
The second thing this morning is the language of heaven is void of lack. The language of heaven is void of lack. Too often, I think we think and pray from the perspective of what can I do? How can I control this? How can I handle this? And I want to jump to a story in Acts chapter 3. It says, when he saw Peter and John, he being a man begging at the gate of the temple, about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet, ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Leave this scripture up there for just a moment. See, what the Bible tells us a couple of verses earlier is this man has been paralyzed since birth. So who knows how long, how many days, weeks, months, years he's been standing, or not standing, obviously, um, He's been sitting on the side of the road. He's been sitting in the marketplaces. He's been sitting at the gate of the temple asking for the wrong thing. He's been focused on what's in front of him. He's been focused on what am I going to eat next? What am I going to drink next? What a, I need money for this. I need money for that. All the while, I can imagine this man has begun to look at his life through a perspective of lack. I lack, I lack, I lack. I need money. I need money for this. I need money just for the present needs. All the way to the point of he's standing outside of the house of prayer asking for money, not prayer. And we don't know. Jesus could have walked by this man multiple times. So this man can be sitting here at the gate of the temple knowing that he has seen Jesus walk by him. He thinks his moment has passed. He thinks that God missed him. He thinks that God was too busy for him until he encounters Peter and John. Verse six says, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. See, what may look like lack to you is abundance to God. And can we get excited this morning that we in my city serve a God described in Ephesians 3.20 as one who is able to do immeasurably more than we can think, ask, or imagine. I think, I think we can get a little bit more excited about a God as described in Psalms 50 verse 10 that owns all the animals in the forest and the cattle on a thousand hills. Or in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that says he is able to bless you so that you have all, at all times having all things to do every good work that God has for you. See, this is the God. To me, it sounds like he can do whatever, whenever, and however he pleases. This God sounds like abundance and prosperity to me. This God sounds like he is lacking nothing. And because he is lacking nothing, now we are lacking nothing. I want you to see the correlation between these two verses. John 10.10, 10, the first part of it says, Jesus is talking, he says, the thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. We're gonna pause here for just a moment because I, I, if you wanna know the enemy's plan for your life, here it is. The devil, the enemy, the world, whatever you wanna call they, them, this is their one objective. To steal, kill, and destroy. And it doesn't matter what media fads or trends tell you, the devil hates you. He has, he's put a target on your back 
because you resemble God. You've been set apart for his good purpose. And so you better believe that when your language begins to align with heaven's language, the spirit of deceit will try to get you to do what he did with this beggar at the temple and get you to focus on what's in front and not the future. Because if he can get us to focus on the problems that are right at hand, he can get us to start to believe that I can fix this, I can control it, and I can do this rather than trust in God who is exceedingly abundantly able. The good news, Jesus has a plan for you as well. Continuing on in this scripture, it says that I have come, Jesus has come, that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now we're talking about lack. So look at this other verse, Psalm 23, verse one, Jesus being the shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. If the Lord is our shepherd, then we lack nothing today. And understand this morning that you have a good shepherd in Christ that will supply all of your needs. You have a good shepherd in Christ that will supply all of your needs, not only to sustain you or to give you just the mundane life, but that scripture says, and if we believe scripture is the word of God, then I'm going to take that as my foundational belief that I am going to have life and life to the fullest because Christ is my shepherd and Christ is my supply. See, when our language, when we begin to align our language with heaven, when we begin to align our voice with God's voice, when we begin to see how God works, how he operates, our language can be void of lack. The last thing here is the language of heaven is full of faith. The language of heaven is full of faith. We're going to flip to Mark chapter 10, verse 46. I want you to see this this morning. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 says, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside. It kind of looks like probably one of these, you know. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want for me to do? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Verse 52 says, go. Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received sight and followed Jesus along the road. See, I want you, as you stand to your feet this morning, I want you to capture the most important part of this story and the most important part of this message this morning. Is Bartimaeus refused to allow the condition around him to distort the clarity of Christ's character. We have to refuse to allow the condition around us to distort the clarity of Christ's character. It doesn't matter what's happening around you. Christ stays the same. And I can just imagine, Bartimaeus is is the perfect testimony to Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that says, faith comes by hearing. Because he couldn't see, but you know he heard what was happening. He heard of the man named Jesus and where he came from. He heard of the things that Jesus has done, the miracles that he's performed. He's heard of the power that Jesus has and the authority that he walks in. So I can just imagine what Bartimaeus is thinking this morning. I can hear him talking to himself, going, if he just heard me, 
I know he can heal me. If he just noticed me, I know he can do it. If he just came over here, then I know he can. If he just, I just got to shout all the louder. But the people around him are telling him to shut up and sit down. The people around him are telling him to be quiet. That Jesus is too busy for him. That the man is too busy. I'm sure he's heard the things that he's heard his entire life. You're stuck this way. There's no hope for you. You're not going to get out of this situation. There's, you can't, Jesus is too busy. And I feel like God told me this morning that there are some people in here that have bought into the narrative of the enemy. That you've partnered with the shut ups and sit downs. That you've partnered with the Jesus is too busy for you. That you've partnered with those lies. And can I tell you this morning that Jesus is not too busy. That God loves you more than you could ever imagine. That God is more than able to meet your needs. That you don't have to continue living the way that you have been. That God is for you and not against you. The lie may tell you that you are not good enough, but Jesus says that doesn't matter because I am. I want you to see this last verse in Ephesians chapter two. This is pretty long, so just stick with me. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. You were dead in your sins. All of us lived among them at one time, glorifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of the great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. It gets better. Not only have you been saved, but God raised you up to sit with Christ, to sit in heavenly realms, in order that in the coming ages, he may show you incomparable riches. And the last verse says, he's prepared good works in advance for you to do. This is the character of our Savior. Not only has he saved you, but he's set you apart and he's given you a place in heaven. Not only has he given you a place in heaven, but he has incomparable grace and riches. Not only does he have that, but he's got good works for you to do. This is the character of our Savior. And can we praise God this morning that my city church has faith that is rooted in that, not in the method of delivery, not in the outcome or the systems, but faith that is in Jesus Christ alone, the character of our Savior, the one who's worthy of it, the one who's faithful with it. And if we're going to win where it matters, we have to first align our language with heaven's language. If we're going to win where it matters, we have to align our voice with God's voice. See, James 3 says our tongue is like a rudder, a small rudder to a large ship. Our tongue is like the embers that start a forest fire. And like I said earlier, prayer is the engine room of the church. And if we're gonna change anything in this city, if we're gonna change anything in ourselves, if we're gonna change anything in this world, it's not gonna be with boxing gloves, but it's gonna be with praying hands. And if we're gonna win where it matters, our prayers must change from throwing out empty words into the void, hoping that the universe responds to us and sends us good vibes. 
If we're going to make a difference in this world, our prayers must change from that of victimhood or lack to the authority of the son and daughter of Christ that he has called you. And if we're going to make a difference in this world, our prayers must change to be full of God's word, declaring his promises, knowing how faithful he is. I think our prayers have to sound a little bit more like this song. Let's say, God, I see you taking ground. I see you pressing ahead. I see you changing. I see you. The power you have is dangerous to the enemy's hands. So come on, church. Begin to declare this over your life. Begin to speak these promises over you. God is faithful. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.